0: Hey, murder lovers. My name is Mackenzie. This is Fatina. And you're listening to Stranger Danger, a true crime podcast. Welcome back. Okay, so... You go first, right? Yeah. Cool. Okay. So, follows upon us. It has arrived. (laughs) To transition into spooky season, because October will be... (laughs) spooktacular I'm gonna do the Hammersmith ghost murders so murder it's just one murder it's a little bit spooky-ish with the ghost element um, but it is still true crimey so this is the transition phase as we transition from September to October if you will so this story takes place in November of 1803 way back yeah way way back as logic would say. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and this, incur, uh, this occurred in Hammersmith, England. Now, Hammersmith is a district of West London. Small town at this point. And the people in Hammersmith, England, began reporting ghost attacks occurring in this time period. Hmm. So the locals believed that the ghost was a man that had died by suicide the previous year. Oh. Um, there was a man in the town who had slit his throat, which is just oh, awful. And he was buried in the Hammersmith Church Cemetery. Now, during this time, people believed that victims of suicide shouldn't be laid to rest in a churchyard, because oh. according to them and their old beliefs, they had committed a sin, hmm. and by laying them to rest in the churchyard, they wouldn't actually be able to rest and like find peace there, because oh. it was somehow like a conflict of what they had done. Okay. Hmm. Logic. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what the alternative is. Right. But that's what they thought. Anyway, so the ghost was described as a very tall man dressed in all white. And some said that he was also wearing like a calfskin garment and had horns and large glass eyes and like he was a whole thing for the most part people agreed that he was tall dressed in white and some even said he wore a white tablecloth that he like threw (laughs) off of him as he ran (laughs) a tablecloth it'll make sense okay (laughs) two women on two separate occasions one was like an elderly woman and one was pregnant had reported that the ghost had like accosted them on separate occasions and had actually like grabbed them And both women died of shock a few days later because of the instance. Seriously? Yeah. So people were like super up in arms about this because these women had died and like they felt like their community was being terrorized. A servant by the name of Thomas Groom had reported and testified that he was walking through the churchyard with a friend and it was like around 9pm and something rose out of a tombstone and seized him by the throat (laughs) and that... When his friend turned around, the ghost disappeared, and the guy was like, I punched at him, and I felt like a coat, like a soft, plush coat, but the ghost was gone, yeah. Yeah. And so people were, like, freaking out because, like, this ghost is terrorizing them and actually, like, physically assaulting them, like, grabbing them and stuff like that. I feel like ghosts shouldn't do that, but at the same time, like... Olivia said like she felt like that tension yeah. around her neck in the listener story yeah. or whatever, some maybe manifest. Yeah. Right. Um the community was like, All right, let's organize a neighborhood watch if Okay. A so, neighborhood ghost watch? Yeah, neighborhood okay. ghost watch. Cool. Yeah. So they organized this this neighborhood watch, if you will, because there's no like established Hmm. Law enforcement if you will. Like yep. they have a constable and stuff like that, but there's no police force. Okay. And so the community is like, Haha, we got this. So like, you know, pitchforks like pitch and the, the whole and, thing. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm imagining. <laughs> Everybody's like thinking of Beauty yep. and the Beast now. Yep. <laughs> There was a guy named William Girdler on December 29th. So this has been happening for a while. That he was actually, like, his job was to be a night watchman. Huh. And he said he saw a ghost near a place called Beaver Lane. And he chased after it, but the ghost threw off of its coat, like, whatever it's it was tablecloth. wearing. tablecloth? Yeah, its tablecloth or <laughs> okay. coat, and escaped. And so the citizens were like, cool, like, Beaver Lane is a place to be. Like, everybody be around this area so they had kind of organized like almost like shifts if you will and um several of these people were armed with various weaponry like clubs and and shotguns oh yeah okay oh. <laughs> and <laughs> sorry like guns against ghosts like at it... the <laughs> Guys. Yeah. I don't know what the logic was of that and how they thought that was going to work. It's like shooting a hurricane. But, yeah. We must be in Florida. So, anyway, so this night watchman, he was making his rounds at Beaver Lane around 10.30 p.m. on January 3rd, 1804. And he ran into this the armed citizen patrol in this area. And one of the guys was 29-year-old Francis Smith. Now, Francis had been carrying a large shotgun and he was like, I'm out here looking for this ghost. And the night watchman was like, cool. I'm off at 11 (laughs) and I'll meet you back here and I'll join you. And so they were like (sighs) teaming up, if you will, in the effort. So they separated and went about their ways. William went back to like patrol or whatever as the night watchman and Francis was like, got to find this ghost. So they separated and just after 11 p.m., Francis Smith, with his shotgun, runs into a man named Thomas Millwood. And at this point, Francis is a few, few beers drink. Um, few beers down. In? Yeah, yeah, in. Yeah. Whatever. Because um, this has been... This is kind of like near an inn at this point. Uh. So he's like... He's taking breaks, if you will. <laughs> so he's had a few beers at this point. And Thomas Millwood is a bricklayer. Now, I don't exactly didn't look into what a bricklayer was because I feel like the name is pretty (laughs) self-explanatory, but I feel like also when I assume those things is when I find out that (laughs) I was wrong. But what I do know is that they very often wore all white. So Thomas Melvin was wearing white linen trousers, a white waistcoat and a white apron. And some of his items were brand new. So they were very white. But either way, his clothes were freshly washed, some pieces were brand new, and so it was like bright white.
1: Yes. At 11 o'clock. At 11
0: o'clock at night, yeah. And he had been heading home after stopping at his parents' house and visiting his parents and his sister. And, in fact, he was so close that his sister could hear an exchange happening between the two men. And she reported that... She heard Francis Smith yelling at him to stop and asking him who he was. And then he was like, if you don't stop, I'm going to shoot you. But he didn't wait for him to stop before a shot was fired. So he literally threatened it and shot his gun. Francis Smith shot Thomas Millwood in the lower left jaw (gasps) and killed him. And two neighbors heard the shots and they came running and they see Thomas Millwood lying on the ground and he they're like, Francis, you need to get out of here. And like tried to get him to go home, but Francis was like adamant that he hadn't done anything wrong and like he believed that he... shot a ghost. Yeah. And so the constable showed up and took Francis into custody and Thomas Millwood's body was taken away to an inn. Now, three days later, on January 6th, they said a cer sur- I saw a couple different reports. One said a coroner. One said a surgeon. Okay. But either way, somebody with a medical, medical degree yeah. examined the body and declared that he had died. Three days later, they were like, "Yes, he's dead." <laughs> um, and the cause of death was ruled a quote gunshot wound to the left side of the lower jaw with a small shot, which penetrated the vertebrae of the neck and injured oh, the spinal man. marrow. And so, Francis Smith was put on trial for willful murder. Yeah. Thomas Millwood's wife had reported and testified at the trial that her husband had been wearing these white clothing pieces and had been mistaken for a ghost previously, and she had asked him not to wear this in public anymore because these ghosts were causing such terror that she didn't want her husband to continue to be mistaken. Um, She said that he had scared two women and and a man that were riding in a carriage, And that the man and him had, like, had an altercation because of (laughs) it. People felt very strongly about his outfit. Yeah. And. Poor um, guy. Yeah. And then the sister also testified to hearing the exchange and saying that, you know, Smith had told her brother to stop and that he would shoot him, but then didn't wait before actually firing the gun Mm. and that he fired it almost immediately. Several people came forward and they were like, no, Francis is a good guy. He would never do this. And, like, he had several character witnesses, witnesses or whatever. And at the time, the judge, who was Lord Chief Baron MacDonald. Oh, that's a name. That's a name. Yeah. He basically said, like, that his character was irrelevant. Mm-hmm. That malice did not need to be brought into it to prove murder. All that you needed to prove was intent to kill didn't matter how good of a person you were i mean he thought he was re-killing a ghost though yeah yeah he did (laughs) which was like his so interestingly enough that became a conversation that continued to an extent until 1984 oh wow because there was a lot of back and forth about your intention your responsibility if the situation is not what you perceive it to be Oh. so in 1984 there was a case that came up where there was a guy that was carrying a man through the street and the man was screaming for help and a bystander thought that this person was being attacked and attacked the person that was dragging him along oh. come to find out the person that was being dragged screaming for help was a thief oh and so the guy that tried to help was charged with assault and he was like I thought I was helping. I thought I was doing something good. Right. And so the judge ruled that his, because he didn't know the whole situation, his intention was in the right place. And so he actually overturned the conviction or whatever. But this case is cited as, like, part of the continuing conversation of, like, what is your intention and if the situation is not what it appears to be, are you still to be held accountable for right, your actions right. yeah. if you're acting on something that you believed was a different situation? Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, and so he was kind of like, I like I should not be held responsible for this. I thought it was a ghost. And <laughs> the judge was like, it doesn't matter because you didn't act in self-defense, the ghost... Whatever he was, was not attacking you. He was not harassing you. He wasn't coming towards you. It wasn't an accident, so it wasn't manslaughter. He, he said that he was, quote, not provoked by this ghost and did not try to apprehend it. All he did was, like, shoot Shout it. Should yeah. yeah. And so he was like, even if it was a ghost, you still shouldn't have done what you did. Like, you don't go <laughs> shooting ghosts, sir.
1: Try to arrest the ghost first,
0: and then if they resist arrest. Right. This is (laughs) logic, people. And the judge literally was like, if you had actually shot the ghost this would be the same situation. Hmm. I'm like, I don't really think it would be like, I don't think you'd have a murder trial for like shooting a ghost, but he was basically like, you would still be held accountable to the same thing.
1: Okay. Sir McDonald.
0: Yeah. But basically he was like, this, this guy hadn't done anything to warrant being a shot, being shot ghost or not. Like he hadn't done anything. He hadn't hurt you. He didn't try to hurt you. Exactly. He said that even if Thomas had been actually been a ghost, Or been pretending to be a ghost. Pretending to be a ghost. Frightening people while pretending to be a ghost during that time was actually a misdemeanor charge. Oh, they could charge you with that. Yeah, but it was only a misdemeanor that was you were charged a fine. It was not a felony. Sure. And so he was like, even if Thomas Millwood was pretending to be a ghost, you still do not have the right to shoot him. Yep. You don't have that Right. The judge said all of this in the court. He was like, this is your responsibility. It's not an accident. It's not this or that. It is either murder or it's not murder. And the jury was like, we find him guilty of manslaughter. And the judge was like, nope, that's not what I told you to do. So the judge literally rejected their verdict and said, you cannot decide manslaughter. This was not an accident. And so you need to either convict him of murder or acquit him. And sent them back to the deliberation room. And so the jury came back later on, and they did, in fact, convict him of murder. Eventually decided that the fact that he thought Millwood was a ghost was irrelevant. And at that time, murder was carried a sentence of death. Dang. And so he was sentenced to death by hanging. Now, during this time, any time this type of verdict is rendered, it gets reported to the king. And mm. then the king decides if he wants to commute the sentence or not based on the information that's brought forth to him. Okay. So Lord Chief Baron McDonald reported <laughs> this to the king. And he was like, sir, this is what's happening or whatever. Uh-huh. The king decided to commute the sentence. And instead of... Death by hanging, it was commuted to a year of hard labor. Hmm. So I was like, that's not the same. But. No. The, I would assume during that time, a year of hard labor was really, really hard labor. Like actual hard yeah, labor. it was real hard labor. Like breaking rocks or something. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. And so that was the sentence that he served. Now, eventually a man named John Graham came forward and he was like, listen, he's he's an old shoemaker, okay? Oh, well, cobbler. Yeah. And he was like, my apprentice has been scaring my kids <gasps> with ghost stories. Oh, okay. And I wasn't liking this because all my kids had nightmares and stuff like this. And so I decided that I needed to get back at him. Oh, no. So he was running around town wearing a white sheet <gasps> pretending to be a ghost to scare mm, his apprentice. No. And so the throwing of the tablecloth was this guy running around in a sheet trying to scare his apprentice for scaring his kids. Oh, (laughs) and he was never to, as far as record goes, there's no record that he was ever punished for this or even charged for this. So he just came forward like, hey, he came forward after everything happened, and after the sentence happened, he was like, all right, so I feel a little guilty about this, but it was me. And it was him that had been harassing people because he was trying to scare his apprentice as payback. He scared the whole town. Yeah. Now, I don't know if he was actually, like, grabbing people or if people, like, kind of ran with the story, you know, because nobody loves a good ghost story of, like... Somebody lives in a town that's being terrorized by a ghost. So yeah. I don't know how much of that is true. But as far as, like, the the person that was disappearing throwing said tablecloth or something, was it was this him. this guy? Yeah. Oh, man. Unfortunately, he let it carry out so long that somebody ended up actually dying as a result of it. Oof. But like I said, it was a conversation that, like, as far as your liability in those situations, it yeah, continued for years, decades centuries to come and was only recently i guess recently to me not to gen z or anything like that um <laughs> resolved in the uk but short and sweet that is the story of the hammersmith murders ghost murders ghost murders yeah i would
1: say if the two women died of shock that, that could be tacked on to the to the murders. But you know, I mean this honest. guy killed one guy. Yeah. The ghost murder. Isn't that like that is very interesting just legal wise how that
0: played played out. Yeah. Yeah. The judge was like, "No, no. Just cuz you thought it was a ghost doesn't mean that your actions were right. You can't you,
1: shoot a ghost if you want to were either. You trying to kill
0: that ghost." <laughs> how do you kill a ghost? Rekill it? Rekill I guess, it? Or... But then wouldn't it just be a ghost of a ghost? Ooh. Maybe. A ghost ghost? A ghost ghost? <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: sir, you can't even shoot a ghost ghost. So, dang. Well, cool. That was short and sweet, but that does yeah. ease us into um, spooky season. Because yeah. this one, I think, will be still a September episode. It's a September episode. Yep. And so. we
0: obviously have a lot of true crime catch ups to tack on to the end here. So, yes. I'd like to leave a little room for you guys a to get all the bit updates. Of room.
1: And meanwhile, if you have any ideas of local lore stories or any, you know, I know we have international listeners, so I'd love to dig into, um, send haunted us our locations. way
0: locations. yeah. I want a good haunted location. I lots of hospitals and
1: so yeah, send us our way. You can send us an email, which is a stranger danger podcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on all the socials. And if you haven't done so already, we'd love for you to check out Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash stranger danger podcast. And uh, thank you so much. Bye. Bye bye. All right. Welcome back, everyone.
0: Lots has happened.
1: Yeah. Lots has happened. Lots has happened.
0: Lots has happened.
1: Um, in the true crime world. So, uh, let's see. Let's start with the, with the quick hits. Um, the girl from the Slenderman killings, one of them was actually released a week and a half ago. I think we talked about it, that it was going to happen when we did the episode for the Slenderman, but, uh, she was just released two weeks ago, so... It's, she's out in the world. I don't know if she's going to be changing her name. So for the record though, this is the particular girl who did not do any of the stabbing itself. So she had just been in a hospital for the majority of the time, or just been under some type of care, but now she has been released back into the world. There's that. And then do you want to give an update on Robert Durst?
0: Um, Yeah, so Robert Durst was convicted of murder. I think it's been at least a week since he was convicted. Um, His lawyers recently filed paperwork either today or yesterday, probably maybe Friday, depending on... Sometime within the last 48 hours, they filed paperwork for a new trial stating that Thursday, they filed paperwork with the California courts indicating that there was insufficient evidence to establish that he'd committed first-degree murder. Basically, they're challenging the... Conviction. I don't I don't think he's been sentenced yet. Yeah, no. sentencing is scheduled for October 18th okay. um, but they have already filed paperwork for him to appeal that. Have a new trial. Yeah.
1: Hmm. And then there's also Scott Peterson. They put out the dates for what's going to be happening with his appeals, right? So they put dates out of when stuff is due by. There's no dates for any appeal hearing yet but the, no, the pre-notions to that there are states for those.
0: Yeah, he had to be resentenced first. So he was just resentenced to life in prison without parole. Okay, so no death. Right, that's right. now been... What do they call Commuted. that? Commuted. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Yep, Um. so we will see what happens with that. And then Josh Duggar is also filing to have photos of his hands taken out of evidence. When he was booked, they took photos of his hands, what? and I guess... He has a very notable scar on one of his hands, and it sounds like some of the child abuse materials that were recovered, that he might have been an active participant in those photos uh-huh. because it sounds like the photos include pictures of hands that match his. And so they're asking for the photos that were taken of his hands when he was taken into custody to be removed from evidence. Why? Well, he consented to the photos being taken, but he didn't have a lawyer Mm. present at that time or whatever to advise him not to consent to it. So they're basically saying that... That's just
1: so odd because you think that if something like that was brought up in court, like, oh, you know, here, jury, we're showing you these pictures, these materials, and we're going to identify that person by this scar... Please look at the scar in his hand right now. That's exactly why you the know? defense
0: attorneys want it out,
1: oh. yeah. because
0: obviously that's a smoking gun that they don't want used in court.
1: Gotcha. Oh, so they want the idea of the being identified by hands in general being thrown out. Yeah, they don't
0: want any any photos that match him to whoever is in the photos in that to be
1: yeah. admitted as evidence. Interesting. So we'll see what happens with that.